Are you interested in learning skills to tackle a specific problem in your school, district, or local union? Consider applying for an OEA Empowerment Academy to receive the support you need to take action. Details at grow.oregoned.org. You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association and a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. OEA Grow is by members for members. In Season 8, we're all in this together with Beth Aidlaw. Welcome back to Season 8 of OEA Grow Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Aidlaw. In this season, we're taking a close look at connections that we as educators depend on for support in our work. Today, I'm especially happy to welcome Liz Bezizo, a librarian at the West Salem High School. Liz is going to talk to us today about the connections to be made between the classroom and the library in Oregon schools today. So as we begin our conversation, Liz, would you please tell us about yourself and how you entered your profession? Sure. Thank you for having me on today. Um, I was always a big fan of libraries. I grew up in a small town, Ontario, in Eastern Oregon. And part of my Saturday routine was to go to the library with my mom and pick out my books for the week. Um, And that love uh, carried into my college years um, when I was working at the Linfield uh, Library for my work study uh, and not really enjoying my elementary ed uh, practicum. The librarian there um, suggested I become a children's librarian, and I thought, well, that's a great idea. I don't know why I never thought of that before. Uh, And when I looked into it, I found out that it included needing a master's degree to be a public librarian um, and went ahead and pursued that and got my master's from Kent State in Ohio. Uh, We eventually, my husband and I at the time, made our way back down here to Oregon. And fortunately, I did have that elementary ed degree in hand along with my master's in library science. Um, So I was able to get the endorsement needed to be a librarian in the schools here in the state of Oregon and that was back in 1999. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, let's talk. So you're a librarian at the high school level. Um, can Correct. you tell us a little bit, those of us who are not librarians, about um, the, the, the state of the, the librarians in Oregon in public schools, I would suppose K through 12? Uh, it's changed greatly in the Salem-Kaiser School District and in much of the greater high schools and school districts around uh, Oregon since 2011. Um, Back in 2011, as I'm sure people remember, we had some big cuts to education at the time. Uh, We lost all of our elementary and middle school certified librarians at that time in our school district. And the only ones left were the ones at the high school level. So it's interesting. I think right now at this time, we only have 147 certified librarians in the state of Oregon. It's decreased greatly 
since the early 80s. The number was much greater, of course, because at that time um, we weren't as relying on computers to do both cataloging and researching um, and keeping of the collection. So it's gone down in part because of that, but also primarily because of funding for the state. So, so what has happened in the elementary schools without librarians? They still have libraries, do they not? They do still have libraries. I can only speak to my school district, Salem-Kaiser. Um, at our level, we have library assistants at both the elementary and middle school level who are working alone, um, trying to do a job that was once done by a certified librarian and a library assistant. And, and tell me about these library assistants. They sound like very heroic people. Uh, what, what is their background? What is their experience? How do you become a library assistant? Well, for Salem-Kaiser at this time, the only thing necessary to be a library assistant is um, a high school degree. There's nothing required past that. And we have a huge variety in our district of people who some actually have an endorsement and could be working as a librarian. Um, They're certified teachers with the library endorsement all the way down to people who um, maybe just came into the job um, after high school or after college, or maybe they just found their way into it because they were already in the building in another position. So it can vary quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. And and as I said, I, um, I appreciate them going in and working with the libraries. Let's talk a little bit about the value of libraries. Um, h- how do libraries, librarians, the school library, add to the educational experience of the students? Well, I think the main way that we do that is through the connections we make with both the staff and especially the students in our schools. Um, It's a unique position in the schools. Um, You have a lot of leeway in terms of the services you offer. I think it's best when done in conjunction with what the goals of the building are. Um, My building uh, finds it important to have connections with the kids and to get to know them. And my job allows me to do that in a way that the teachers aren't able to do because of more of a lack of time, um, the excess of grading, the class sizes. So the library at our school has become uh, more like the living room of the building. It's where the kids come when they want to be heard or seen, which they are in their classrooms as well. This is just an extra place that they can do so. Um, and also explore what the library has to offer in terms of reading materials um, and other resources that we can provide to them. Mm-hmm. So it, it becomes the library is sort of like a safe haven. You mentioned the fact uh, librarians don't grade them. There, there's not that judgment, that evaluation of them. Right. I feel like more like an aunt or a grandparent in that way um, <laughs> that I can just you know, enjoy the kids for who they are, watch them grow over the four years throughout the high school level uh, and become adults as they move towards graduation. It's a very rewarding position to be able to watch the kids grow in that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's true in the elementary level, too, where the librarians are there. Uh, they may have a different teacher each year, but the librarian, we hope, we hope stays the same. I think we're talking about retention, too, aren't we, for librarians? Um, we are. And- we are. It's, um, it's, it's rare that positions come open in our district since there's only, I believe, seven of us um, left that are certified librarians or endorsed librarians. Um, the library assistant positions at the middle and elementary school tend to turn over more often. 
Uh, those people have a lot more responsibility placed on them than a normal instructional assistant who's helping out in the classroom. Um, the library assistants are, are not only responsible for the space, uh, managing the space in terms of shelving the books, making sure the resources are where they need to be and the kids can find what they want, but also in terms of maybe being responsible for recess duty or bus duty or after school duty. Um, they get pulled many different directions depending on the principal and what's happening in the building. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And yet, uh, being a librarian or a library assistant sounds as if it's a full-time job with, with all that needs to go on. Um, and and um, when, when we spoke earlier, uh, you mentioned some of the extras that can go on with the library that are not just checking out books or giving book recommendations. Um, could you could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think um, before 2011, we had quite a vibrant Battle of the Books group in our school district that was run by the middle and elementary school librarians, particularly can the elementary explain, school librarians. Can you explain a little bit about what that was, the Battle of the Books? It sounds exciting. Yeah, the kids do enjoy it. It's where um, I think between around six book titles are chosen by a committee, the Oregon Battle of the Books Committee. Um, and I think they're suggested by librarians, maybe even by students. Um, they go ahead and choose those books. And then the kids, a group of kids at your school, um, will read those books and they'll read them for all the details. And then they're quizzed on the books, like a quiz bowl. And they mm. advance their different levels until we come to the state battle of the books. It's something more commonly done at elementary schools. Um, it is done sometimes at the high school level as well, um, but more in the younger grades. I did it for a bit when I was at the middle school. Um, that's a lot of extra time. Those competitions are usually weekends and after school, so you either have to have a very involved uh, library assistant or maybe a parent group who wants to be involved in it because it is above and beyond the duties of what the library assistants are called to do at those levels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And then also uh, uh, librarians in schools, sometimes they, they sponsor local writers to come. Um, it sounds as if they can do some things that maybe the classroom teachers don't have the resources or don't have the time to do? Yeah, more, I would say more the time to do. At the high school level, the groups that are created, are it works best when it comes from the kids and they want a particular group. Maybe it's a Dungeon and Dragons group. Maybe it's a Magic Card group. Maybe at our school, we just have a book group that's very self-sufficient. They just tell me what books they want to read and then they get together every Wednesday morning during our late start time so that they can discuss the book they're reading. Um, I might be available to provide the different books that they need or go out and find those books for them. Um, but the high school level, like I said, this it works best when it's student-directed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it seems as if uh, we, we're, I hope we're past the pandemic, but we're still recuperating, I, I suppose is the word for it. Um, um, during the pandemic, it seems like the libraries were really important, even though we couldn't actually go into them. Uh, the, the librarians seem to have kind of expanded their services then. Um, can you can you talk about that a, a little bit? Well, 
Um, well, geez, it was not a good time for libraries during the pandemic. Um, none of us were prepared to have to move to a different platform to be able to offer services. Nobody in the district was. So it was a fast pivot to try and figure out how to get materials to students. Um, and I think had we been in it, God forbid, even longer, we would have become better at this. But as it was in our district, we made sure that our uh, library web pages were available and updated and um able to tie in with the needs of what the teachers had at that time. Um, and I think also we did do through my library and I know other libraries did as well in our district, um, provided books to kids by delivering them to their doorstep. They could go ahead and place holds on the books through our system. And then we would take the books to them at their home and leave them on the front porch um, or oh at their goodness. front door as needed. Uh -huh. Yeah, and that was fun. It wasn't on horseback like some of us would have liked, um, but it was still a fun activity to get out into the community and drop books off to the students. Oh, I, I think that that's incredible. Um, I'm at uh, Lane Community College, and our librarians stepped up to the task completely, um, doing Zoom meetings with students and everything. Uh, and actually, it seems almost as if, uh, since we've all learned how to do Zoom, we've all learned a lot about how to be more flexible. It seems like um, the wonderful things that librarians have always been able to do um, have expanded even more. And um, I'm totally impressed with that. So so let's, let's um, continue talking about that a little bit. What can librarians do for the teachers in the classroom? How, how do librarians support their efforts? Um, I know at my school, I work primarily with the English department. Um, we start with the kids when they're freshmen, they come in and sometime in that first week after we've passed out all the Chromebooks to the students, because that's the first thing we have to get through at our school. Um, it used to be textbooks, but it's shifted more to Chromebooks. We really only check out textbooks these days to AP classes, it seems like. Um, we get into the freshman English classrooms and introduce ourselves and the services the libraries have to offer, uh, maybe play a game with the kids and then bring them back up to the library or down or wherever you are in the building, um, bring the kids to the library so they can experience firsthand what the library looks like, um, making sure they know what hours were open. Um, at our library, we're open before, after school, and during both lunches um, so students can come in and use the space. And then we'll continue visiting during the year in all the different grade levels, doing book talks to introduce new books to the students. Those books might be based around a topic or a particular theme they're covering in the classroom, or it might just be to introduce new books or to give ideas or suggestions based upon student needs. After you've been in a building a while and you get to know the kids and the teachers, you have an idea of how to purchase materials in terms of what they're going to want to read. So usually when I buy books, I have a particular student group or student or teacher in mind that will be using that book in the future. Um, and then another part of our job is to work um, with the research and making sure the students know how to access the Oregon School Library Information System databases, which includes Gale um, and, and, and EBSCO. And through those, we teach them how to find quality information, how to create citations, and how to read for understanding with the projects that they are doing in their class. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So you're, you're teaching the research skills that students need uh, 
well, not just in English classes, but in history and everything uh, in the end, right? So you are supporting the teachers in that way because you're giving the uh, pedagogical support um, with this. Um, So what we're talking about, actually, um, is the importance of information literacy, aren't we? Um, Yes. would, would you would you talk to us a little bit about that? Because librarians can do so much in that area. Well, it's interesting to me how important this has become, um, particularly since probably 2016 with having students try and figure out what is quality information, where is the news you can trust, um, recognizing biases we may have and the biases of the news sites and organization we may use, and what is considered quality information to be able to use in a research paper, um, or just to determine quality information in terms of what you see on social networks. With the rise of chat GPT and other AI, um, I really think what's going to happen is the, this is just my guess, I have six years left in my time at in this position. Um, I think that writing, well, important, may not be quite as important. What's going to become more important and probably taught more in classrooms than what we're seeing right now is information literacy and how to determine what is quality information, because that's really what kids are going to be using in their adult life even more than what they read um, and what they write, particularly. Um, They're going to be using, you think of an everyday kind of kid, um, they might write something in an email, maybe to send to a company if they're dealing with insurance or something else, maybe a cover letter for a job. Um, But they're probably going to be using ChatGPT and other AI sources to create those documents for them. However, to be able to find information literacy, be able to find quality information is going to become more and more important to our society as a whole. So I think that that's really going to shift how things look in classrooms in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad you brought up the uh, chat GPT because that is actually changing our jobs as educators. And I, I do believe that it's our responsibility to show students when to use it, when definitely not to use it, and how. And that's where you're, you, you've got the, the, the information literacy, the how do you use these tools that we have? And it's not just the artificial intelligence. You, you talk about the databases, those two. Um, that's one of the reasons I worry about the um, elementary school um, library assistants, because they do not have the master's degrees in library science that can give the support for that. Um Correct. I, I think it, um, at our, in our district, the library assistants are well supported by our uh, library media support services. It's a downtown, it's located downtown. It's a group of people who work to support the librarians and library assistants in their school, um, as well as they make most of the purchasing decisions, uh, meaning that they choose what books are going to be purchased for those elementary and middle schools. Um, I think the Library assistants have an opportunity to suggest what they would like to purchase, knowing their audience. Um, Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. library media is there to make sure that the bulk of the budget isn't just going to those popular titles, but also the the more thoughtful titles um, to provide a variety of items on the shelf, not just 
the Disney princesses or Pinkalicious or Captain Underpants, which are all great for getting kids into <laughs> reading, um, but also having some quality information, um, informational books and other titles available as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I certainly don't want to denigrate the uh, abilities of the, of the library assistants. It's just, as you said, they are so overwhelmed with recess duty and lunch and other things that it's, um, you know, it's, it's overwhelming for librarians, as I'm sure you can say. Um, your job is enormous as it is, uh, is it not? Um, yeah, I feel really fortunate because I have a library assistant. I've had two in the past, but our our funding varies. Um, that, that money in our district comes out of the building budget, so it's going to depend and fluctuate according to what's needed to support the kids in the classrooms. But I've always had fantastic library assistants. And I, I know it's odd to the library assistants in the middle of elementary school that they're called assistants because they're not really assisting anyone anymore. Um, they're more library technicians. Um, they're the, the term used to describe them as library assistants really doesn't do justice to the job that they actually do. Yeah, thanks for saying that because that, that seems to be an important part. Um, I, I think what you, what you said before is um, what you can do, it's important for the students to learn how to use libraries and to feel comfortable in them. It seems like one of our goals is to um, enrich their lives outside of school and maybe encourage them to go to public libraries, correct? And feel comfortable in them. Yeah, I haven't, um, I didn't give much thought to it probably until the last 10 or so years is that, you know, school libraries are not common around the world. Um, The situation we have in America where we do have school libraries available and open to all students isn't always common, Um, much like public libraries aren't always common in other countries around the world either. Um, We're quite lucky in the situation that we have where it became a priority to provide information to the masses in some way through the public library system. Um, It's interesting how much that can vary from state to state, both in terms of public library funding and funding for school libraries. Um, But if you look around the country nationwide, um, school library funding has been on the decline for quite some time. Um, I think the only state that had an increase in numbers is, I want to say, New Hampshire on the East Coast in terms of holding steady or maybe building a little bit. Um, I think it's Texas that has the most, the highest number of certified school librarians. Um, but in both California, Oregon, Washington, especially Idaho, there's been a decrease in funding for those positions over the years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess we're not appreciating them as much as we should be. And you're telling us that all, all the ways, so you're telling us all the ways that uh, librarians support the individual teachers. I especially like the fact that um, you mentioned when you purchase books, sometimes you have a specific teacher in mind, a specific class in mind. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that's appreciated. So, so let's do the opposite. How should classroom teachers reach out to librarians if they're fortunate enough to be in a school that has one, <laughs> I suppose? I think it takes a lot of time to build that trust and relationship with the teacher or the teacher 
um, comes in, maybe asks for help on one thing. And then I could say, well, we could also do all of this. I mean, I could get all this information for you, or I can come into your class and show you how to do this. I think teachers tend to get overwhelmed with what they need to teach. And they sometimes forget that they have people available to help them with resources, to help them find information, um, locate more books in the system, or even just sit in on your class and co-teach with you while you're doing research projects or other things. Um, librarians love being involved in the classroom and having a chance to work closely with the teachers in their building. And it's always a privilege to be asked to come in and co-teach a particular topic with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've always found uh, the librarians to be very, very helpful, especially when I have taught um, how to do research or how to document sources. Um, it helps sometimes to have another authority figure agree with me, you know, and support me. Uh, but um, it's it's very good. And also librarians have been trained in doing research in many fields, in any field. And that's one thing that um, we who are more traditional classroom teachers, we're in our own field. And sometimes it helps to have a librarian there to say, you know, you could also search for this. And um, yeah. I Yes, yes. <laughs> I learned so much. So, so what you're saying is that um, we are, we are all in this together. And uh, our effort is to um, help the students. I was also interested in, you were saying that you have almost a book club before school sometimes. And I do believe I heard you say that sometimes when you purchase books, it's not just teachers you have in mind, but specific students. Is this true? Oh, yeah, definitely. I know that other librarians out there, they know that a particular student might like this kind of fantasy world building kind of books or science fiction world building books or particular kinds of mysteries, or, you know, they really enjoyed this last book by a particular author, or here's another author that would provide a read alike for a book that they liked. And so you want to make sure those books are available for those kids. Um, I think selection, it's interesting how that's become an even bigger part or more noticed part of our job with the recent rise in book banning. Um, Choosing books for your community um, has become even more recognized as a huge part and very important part of our job to providing a window into the world through the library. So, so uh, on that topic, would you explain to us how your high school, um, how you choose books for your library? Sure. Um, we use Tidal Wave. Um, we go through Follette, who is a book jobber. That's a company that works between the publishers and the end purchaser, in this case, the school. So they have relationships with all the publishers so that I don't have to go to each individual publisher to buy books. I'll just go to Follett and select my books. Um, I do my book selection through reading School Library Journal. So I'm reading book reviews, School Library Journal, Booklist, Hornbook, looking for those upcoming titles that will get used in my library. 
um, and selecting those books a couple different times a year. I think I do three big orders during the year, so I get three publishing seasons. Fall is, of course, the largest publishing season. Um, but to pick up maybe in the winter those books that are up for different awards or have won different awards, January is typically the time those awards come out. Um, through the American Library Association, as well as in spring for those upcoming titles that I think the students may like. Um, mm-hmm. It's a big part of the job, making sure, a big responsibility to make sure you're collecting something so anyone could find something they would want to read in the library. Mm-hmm. And would you remind us again, you spoke to this earlier about how the uh, elementary schools, when they do not have a, a, um, a, a library and they have the library assistance. Now, I'm not liking that term either. Um, um, yeah. uh, you, you told us it's it's not just their responsibility to check books for the elementary, because it's so important which books they choose. Right. And that the selection is a big part of being a librarian and having the training to do so. Um, I think the library assistants are best when used in terms of what they know, what the kids are actually checking out. They see it. And so they can give those suggestions of what they want to make sure they have more of or maybe a parallel title or something else or series that the students would like. Um, But you also need to have the know-how in how to both weed and develop particular areas of the collection um, as the year goes on. Um, Weeding is a huge part of being a librarian, knowing what to remove and when from your collection so it's not taking up space that would be better utilized by a newer title. You don't want to have really old books sitting on your shelf because we're not a museum. Um, We need to keep up to date with information um, so the kids have quality information to use when they go to do their reports or just want to learn on their own a particular topic. Mm-hmm. And and then um, before we began this conversation, you were actually talking about a conference that you're going to. That's another thing that librarians have is you communicate with each other. And it's, it's an academic discipline where you're constantly keeping up to date um, with new information literacy guidelines. And um, goodness, you need to know everything about computers too, do you not? <laughs> <laughs> that can be part of it, yeah. Um, it's uh, going to the American Library Association conference is fun because you see all the different kinds of librarians. You have academic librarians, public librarians, company librarians, legal librarians. There's just so many different kinds of people to mingle with and see their side of things. Um, and of course, right now, having that kind of support and the collegial support that you have with the Library Association is important during this time of book bans and challenges. Oh, of course. Of course, of course. Well, you, you've given us an idea of how enormous your job is and how essential it is. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? I just hope that whoever is able to listen to the podcast reaches out to their librarian in their school to find out how they can build that relationship and utilize the librarian to help enhance the classroom that they do, the teaching that they do in their classroom. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for talking with us, Liz. And uh, I would definitely like to reach out and thank all the school librarians and the library assistants. Um, And how about all the parents who volunteer in the libraries, too, um, for the work they do in connecting with students and other educators. And, of course, thanks to our listeners for supporting 
OEA Grow podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit grow.oregonad.org.